0: Hey guys, welcome to the Join My League Football Podcast. Today I discuss what's next for the losing teams from Divisional Round, a look ahead to Conference Championship Weekend, and yeah, I do another rant. But are you really that surprised? Welcome to the Join My League Football Podcast with your host, Tim Kolekram. That's what all you people sound like. That's what all you people sound like complaining about the president serving college football national champion Clemson team hamburgers, salads, and pizzas instead of steak and prime rib and lobsters. I'm sorry. I know this is not NFL related, but it's something that I've got to vent about because I'm that irritated. And because this is my podcast and I do what I want... I'm gonna vent about it. Plus, it's still football ish, related ish. But seriously, what do you care? What do you care? Honestly. Well, I don't care. I just expect the president to be a little more classy than that. Do you? Do you really? Do you really expect that? Well, yeah, our president is a billionaire and he brags about paying out of pocket for fast food. First of all, Let's not act like McDonald's and Wendy's and a dozen large pizzas and salads. Let's not pretend that fast food is cheap. Yeah, it's cheaper than a steakhouse or seafood catering. But when you're buying for a bunch of football players, let's not act like it's cheap. Yeah, well, it's cheap for a billionaire. So what? It's not your money. You did not get an invite to the White House. This does not concern you. You don't matter. These are the same people who found a way, they they found a way, somehow found a way to come down on rocker, rapper, country, hip hop, whatever artist, Kid Rock, when he paid thousands and thousands of dollars out of pocket at a Walmart for every single customer who had something on layaway at a Nashville Walmart over the holidays. Kid Rock is so unoriginal. Tyler Perry did this last year, and Perry donated more than Kid Rock. (laughs) Are you kidding me, really? How how are you so miserable that when someone does a good deed, you have to complain and put that person down? If our president had not had any food for this Clemson team, you would say he could have at least had McDonald's for them. But what do you expect? That's what you would say. Now that he bought the team McDonald's and Wendy's and whatever, you wanna say, well, he could have bought, uh, bought them steak and lobster and seafood. And if he bought them steak and lobster and seafood, you complain anyway. Well, he has money for that, but what about our homeless vets? <laughs> our homeless vets, guys. We spoil athletes while our veterans go homeless, and these guys are broke. The veterans are broke, and it's not fair. You people, You people take satisfaction in nothing, and you're pathetic. And let's remember that these are college kids in their late teens and early 20s who get loaded all the time and feast on this stuff. Let's not act like they don't eat this stuff all the time, especially now that the football season is over, they're off their strict diets, and are probably thankful that they can pig out on what college kids pig out on, and that is Big Macs and pizzas and french fries. I say probably because I don't know for sure, I'm not in college, I don't go to Clemson, but I can just imagine, all things considered. Even the ones who are getting ready for the NFL Combine in mid-February, special occasion man, once in a lifetime kind of thing. I can imagine they took advantage of it. That is awesome and you really have to be an extremely miserable person to think that it's not cool. And this isn't a current president thing. This is an in general thing. I don't care who the president is, I don't care if it's Donald Trump, Bill Clinton, uh, George Bush, Bush Senior, Obama, JFK, Lincoln, Hoover, Grant, Adams. Eisenhower, Reagan, Nixon, Wilson, Cleveland, or Woodrow. It doesn't matter who the president is. Getting an invite to the White House would be amazing. And getting to max out on junk food with the president would be the coolest thing ever. And if you're thinking otherwise, then you're a miserable human being. The players, the Clemson players, the Clemson coaches, none of them seem to have had a problem with it, so why should you? I swear, the president could kill cancer and it wouldn't be good enough for you people. Stop being a troll, sit the fuck down, and shut your asses up. And it's not just liberals, because I'm sure if Obama had done something like this, Republicans would be up his ass for the same thing. I'm trying to come up with a solution for how to deal with the general hate within this country and how to solve it, and I think I got it. I really do and we're gonna to get to football talk in just a little while but first let me explain my genius idea on how to rid the country of hateful democrats and hateful republicans are you ready because in my perfect world we have another civil war but it starts january 1st 2020 right after the holidays and there's a military draft except we don't draft innocent 18 year olds We just draft every one of these miserable pieces of sh** regardless of age who spread hate, troll each other, and flex their social media muscles every chance they get. Those people draft them. We give them a little bit of notice that way it gives some of these people the chance to kill themselves. That would wipe out half of these p***** right off the bat. The ones who are big and bad enough and can't wait to go to war. We're going to get them there. We're going to round them all up. And what we do is we demolish the state of California. Get rid of everything. Get rid of Hollywood, for one. Get rid of everything. No houses, no buildings. Just rid California of everything. Just land and mountains and you place landmines and explosives and whatever everywhere. You build an electric fence around the state so that none of these people can leave. You drop them off and you just let them go at it. No rules no authority, just a fight to the death. And we end the second civil war on January 1st, 2021. That's one full year. And if there is anybody alive after the second civil war, January 1st, 2021, we bomb them and kill them anyway. That is the only logical solution in my eyes. And I really wish that I can make that happen. In the meantime, Let's get to the show that I was planning on before buying other people hamburgers instead of steaks apparently became the biggest problem in the country right now. And this whole segment is not hateful, so don't come at me with that. I don't really hate anybody, regardless of some of the things that come out of my mouth sometimes, I really don't hate anybody, except for maybe myself. I might hate myself for taking the Colts over the Chiefs this past weekend like a dope yikes that did not go as planned (laughs) i'm such a dope the chiefs had the perfect game plan you know for a quarterback who threw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns in the regular season for him to come out in his first playoff game only throw for 248 yards with no touchdowns no interceptions that shocked a lot of people including the colts and their defense so how did the chiefs put up 31 points damian williams had 25 carries for 129 yards and a touchdown Tyreek Hill had one carry for 36 yards and a touchdown. Daryl Williams had three carries for nine yards and a touchdown. And Patrick Mahomes, he also had a rushing touchdown as well. For a team that threw for over 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns, for them to have that much success in the running game in a playoff game, that's scary. And we're going to get into the conference championship game against the Patriots a little bit later. But the offseason's right around the corner, uh, less than a month away. And as depressing as it is to think about, it's inevitable. But at the very least, the NFL offseason is loaded with storylines and events and signings. And you got the draft and camps. And it's got to start sometime. So as I've been doing, I've been taking a look at what's next for that week's losers of the nfl playoffs and i want to start with the colts who had a fantastic season they started one and five and they still made the playoffs from four and 12 last year to 10 and six this year what a turnaround andrew luck seems to be back completely healthy performing at an mvp level he's contractually locked in with the colts so what's next for the colts and the easy answer to that is a lot a lot is next for the indianapolis colts The colts are going to want to find a way to beef up their defensive line specifically improve their pass rush this offseason they're going to want to give andrew luck and ty hilton some help at receiver and they're going to have to find a new kicker well the good news is the colts can address a lot this offseason with nine draft picks as of right now we know that can change but nine draft picks right now and 122 million dollars in available cap space heading into free agency and if the Colts want to beef up the defensive line, there is an abundance of talent, free agents set to hit the market, plenty of talent in the draft. In free agency alone, you got, so far, you got Jadavian Clowney, Frank Clark, D Ford, uh, Nanu Sue, and Demarcus Lawrence. Adding one of those guys and maybe drafting another would do wonders for the D line in Indianapolis. As far as adding a number two wide receiver opposite of T.Y. Hilton, You know, outside of Larry Fitzgerald and Golden Tate, there really isn't a lot of star-studded name value that can immediately improve the position on paper through free agency. Plus, what are the chances Larry Fitzgerald actually leaves Arizona before retiring? I think it'd be best for the Colts to look into the draft at solidifying the receiver position. And as far as getting a new kicker, although 46 year old Adam Vinatieri, he will forever be a legend in New England, Indianapolis, and in the NFL. He's gonna be a free agent this off season and the likelihood of the Colts re-signing him, they're slim to none. Look, we know this Colts team is Andrew Luck. We saw that as evident from their four and 12 record without him last year to a 10 and six record and a playoff berth this year with him. If the Colts can actually make some smart moves, Actually build a good team around Andrew Luck. This team is going to be a real problem very very soon As far as what's next for the Cowboys well, they got to build on their bright future They only have two players under contract for 2019 that are over 31 years old So they're a young team and they need to come together as a team for those of you Cowboy fans looking to move on from Jason Garrett. I don't think that's gonna happen. The Cowboys made the playoffs after a 3-5 start, and owner Jerry Jones does not seem to be too eager to make a coaching change right now. But I'm not sure that it's Jason Garrett is what the problem is in Dallas. I don't think Jason Garrett's that bad of a coach. He's not great. But he deserves a head coaching job, I think. And look what they've accomplished while being so young. I think with the right moves and good decision-making building on their current roster, and as the young players start to become veterans... This could be a very dangerous team in the future, like it or not. One thing I think that they should do, a top priority in this offseason, is to re-sign Demarcus Lawrence. Lawrence was hit with the dreaded franchise tag after 2017, and that was Jerry Jones basically saying, go out and do in 2018 what you did in 2017. Well, Lawrence did just that. You take a look at his stats, and now he's going to get paid, whether it's from the Cowboys or somebody else. Demarcus Lawrence is going to get paid, and if the Cowboys are smart, they'll be the ones to pay him. Another area of concern for Dallas is going to be at the receiver position, and it's not a pressing need, but I definitely think it should be addressed. I think the Amari Cooper pickup was one of the best pickups of the year. They traded for him earlier this season in, you know, with Oakland. So Cooper is your surefire number one receiver, and Michael Gallup, by process of elimination, is number two. He was a third round draft pick last year and he's shown tons of talent and potential but outside of him who do you got Cole Beasley and Terrence Williams are set to be free agents and I think it's time for a change in scenery for both of those guys not to mention for Dallas it's not going to cost a whole lot to upgrade that position from either Cole Beasley or uh, Terrence Williams so re-signing Demarcus Lawrence and finding depth at wide receiver should be what's next for the Dallas Cowboys. And the LA Chargers suffered a crushing defeat against the New England Patriots Sunday in a game that wasn't even as close as the 41 to 28 final score would suggest. So what's next for the Chargers? Honestly, first things first, man, you gotta find out where Phillip Rivers' head is at and maybe, just maybe start planning for life after Rivers. As I said last week, I was really, really rooting for Rivers this year because we don't know how long he has left. And when asked about retirement in August, Philip Rivers said he doesn't have a number in his head, but he doesn't want to play into his 40s. Well, he's got two years left on his four-year deal, so he'll be just about 40 when his contract is up. The Chargers' only other quarterback on the roster is Geno Smith, and he's not your future. But maybe it's time to find the future. You don't want to force it don't draft a quarterback in the first round, but, you know, maybe sign Teddy Bridgewater or maybe drop a third or fourth round pick on a quarterback. and That may pay dividends for the Chargers' life post-Rivers. As for right now, the Chargers have a slew of pending free agents, and if they don't resign any of them, the Chargers will have about $28 million in cap space available. With that, they could use upgrades to... The interiors of both the offensive and defensive line uh, upgrading at the uh, defensive tackle position next to Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram on the edge, that would make the Chargers nearly unblockable. They can use an upgrade at linebacker and in the secondary as well, so we'll see. This is a very talented LA Chargers team, and whatever fan base that they do have, they should be excited, but the clock is ticking. Rivers is a borderline Hall of Famer but because of how the 2004 draft class went, there are people out there that still have the conversation, is Eli better? Is he a better quarterback than Phillip Rivers? And to me, it's not even close. Rivers is by far and away the best quarterback of the 2004 draft class. He's better than Eli, and he's better than Big Ben. But Eli and Ben have playoff wins, they have Super Bowl appearances, and they have Super Bowl rings. Philip Rivers has, he's got a few playoff wins, but he's got no sup, uh, no Super Bowl rings and he's got no appearances either. So I think at the very least, Philip Rivers needs at least an appearance to solidify his legacy as an Hall of Famer and as an all-time great. All right, next up is the Eagles. What do the Eagles do in the offseason? And I think this one's fairly obvious. Everyone knows what they have to do and that's make a decision. Is your quarterback going forward gonna be Carson Wentz or is it going to be Nick Foles? Earlier this week, head coach Doug Peterson confirmed the notion that Carson Wentz is going to be the Eagles quarterback moving forward. But can you really trust what head coaches say? Yeah, a lot can happen between now and eight months from now. Shoot, a lot can happen between now and six weeks from now, which is when the Eagles and Nick Foles have to come to an agreement as to whether Foles signs his final year option or not. And like I said, coaches say things all the time. Can you really trust them? They say one thing, and two weeks later, they do another. They lie to us. They lie to our phases. And as fans, we all have our opinion on who that quarterback should be for Philly going forward, but it's up to the Eagles organization to make that decision. Whether they're telling the truth right now or not, they have at least six weeks before they have to make a decision on whether their starting quarterback is going to be Nick Foles or Carson Wentz, and whether or not Nick Foles remains an Eagle. And there is a scenario where the Eagles can retain Nick Foles and Carson, uh, Carson Wentz for next season, but that would require for them to invest nearly $30 million into the quarterback position, which is fine because we see quarterbacks you know, get signed. One quarterback takes up $30 million in some cases, but to invest $30 million into two quarterbacks, would that be wise? Wentz is still on his rookie uh, rookie contract, so the majority of the money would be going to Nick Foles. And if Nick Foles is getting $20 million, why would he ride the bench? I think Nick Foles, personally, I think he fails outside of Philadelphia, but as we all know, teams are willing to pay a hefty price for a mediocre quarterback. And how many teams need a quarterback? Well, off the top of my head, Jacksonville, Denver, Miami, Washington, among others. It's not like the Eagles couldn't use help in other areas. So whether it's Wentz or Foles, in my opinion, the Eagles, what they would want to do is retain both of them and try to trade one of them, probably Nick Foles. But here's the issue. If they sign Nick Foles to his option year with the intent on trading, who's to say teams are going to cough up what Nick Foles is actually worth? As in, if a team thinks Nick Foles is worth a second round pick, Eagles might not get a second round pick for him. If they sign Foles, they're stuck with him until they can agree on trade value or trade offer from another team. As of right now, the Eagles are over cap space heading into next season, and they have until March 13th to get under the cap limit. Now they can free up some space by releasing some players who aren't living up to their high dollar contracts, but not signing Nick Foles to his option, would free up nearly $18 million, which that immediately will put them under the salary cap. So there's a lot of different things that can happen regarding this situation. And I haven't even touched on the fact that Philadelphia needs to find a consistent ground attack. This team will definitely be one of the more interesting teams to follow in the off season. And a look ahead to this week's AFC and NFC conference championship games. Let's hope for our, our sake that as fans, these are some classic games. The 2019 NFL playoffs have yet to live up to the hype. A lot of non-competitive games. A lot of games that left me getting up off the couch and adulting instead of watching in their entirety. And it's come out of left field, too. Some of these games we really expected to be closely contested. They just haven't been. Back in Wild Card Weekend, we looked at Houston Indy, Baltimore, and LA Chargers. We looked at those as the best games of the weekend, and to be honest, neither game was as competitive as the scores would indicate. Last week, New Orleans and Philly, that was pegged to be the weakest matchup of the weekend, but it was probably the most competitive, and the Saints dominated that game from the second quarter on. I think you can make a case that that Rams-Cowboys last weekend on Saturday was more competitive, but even that was a one-sided game that had Dallas playing catch-up the entire time, so a lack of excitement during the first couple of weeks of the NFL playoffs, and I'm thinking that changes this weekend. At least that's what I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping it does, and I'm going to start with the early game in New Orleans on Sunday at 3.05 Eastern time, Saints versus Rams, I really, really want to like the Rams. I really like Jared Goff. I love me some Todd Gurley and Brandon Cooks. And Robert Woods, uh, he helped me a ton in fantasy football this year, so he's pretty awesome. And despite the overwhelming amount of jealousy that seeps from my pores, as Sean McVay is my age and he's coaching in the NFC Championship game this Sunday, I like him as well. But I've never been shy about my disdain for some of the players on uh, the Rams' defense. It's just loaded with all-around scumbags. Su. No good. Cheating. Scumbag. Akib Tlaib. He's been a dirtbag for years. And Marcus Peters. The word-for-word definition of a scumbag piece of s***. And the douchiness of Marcus Peters was on full display Sunday as he was, uh, he was seen scrumming with Amari Cooper during and after Saturday's playoff game. Just overall the worst kind of person... The worst kind of teammate scumbag but say what you will about him the talent is there and after the saints defeated the rams earlier this year saints coach sean, uh, sean payton he made a couple of snarky comments toward peters and peters responded by saying he couldn't wait to shut payton up and maybe have some gumbo after the two teams meet again well they're going to meet again and they're going to meet sunday in new orleans and i think the key to this game is going to come down to the ram's secondary Marcus Peters is part of that group. Drew Brees is going to have to avoid LA's pass rush. rush. He's going to have to get rid of the ball quick, get the ball to his receivers, and he's going to have to pick on guys like Aqib Tlaib and Marcus Peters. That, of course, is after they establish the run, and that is probably the single most important part of this game. That's probably what's going to decide this game. Who can control the line of scrimmage? Who can establish the run early and take control of the game? Both teams have a two-headed monster at running back, Saints with Alvin Kamara and Mark Ingram, and the Rams with Todd Gurley and the newly acquired C.J. Anderson. Oh, and by the way, while not significant in name value, the loss of Sheldon Rankins really hurts the Saints on the defensive line. So with that said, I'm giving the edge on paper to the Rams in the running game. In my opinion, Todd Gurley is the best running back on the field Sunday, and we all saw what C.J. Anderson is capable of last week against the Cowboys. But in the passing game, I like the experienced duo in Drew Brees and Sean Payton over Sean McVay and Jared Goff on the other side. And you got to think at some point in this game, whether it's the second or third quarter or even the fourth, points are going to start to fly. And with the home team in that loud dome, with the experience factor, I think the game will play out with the Rams running the ball early and often, trying to gain control, time of possession. I think the Rams might go up seven to ten points relatively early, but once the Saints' offense starts to heat up, Drew Brees is going to get the passing attack going, and it's going to be a shootout from there. And I'm going to go with the New Orleans Saints uh, taking home the George Halas Trophy, punching their ticket to Super Bowl 53 in Atlanta. Final score, Saints 34, Rams 30. And the second game slated for Sunday, winner goes to face New Orleans in the Super Bowl, Kansas City, Chiefs-Patriots, start time is 6.40 p.m. Eastern, and I think you all know who I'm picking. Or do you? Remember, this is my show and I can do whatever I want, and none of you can do anything about it. But I think the more important thing to look at here is not who I'm picking to win, it's who I'm rooting for. And why. Yeah, I have every reason to root for New England as I predicted back in August that they would face off against New Orleans in the Super Bowl. And I have to say that before maybe Tuesday or Wednesday of this week, I was kinda torn. Yeah yes, I've always been a huge fan of Tom Brady, but to me it's so hard to root against a guy like Patrick Mahomes. I think before the middle of this week I was just rooting for a good game, a classic you know, one that could be remembered forever. And now, thanks to haters, I'm openly rooting for the Patriots. Again, not because I dislike Patrick Mahomes or the Chiefs, but because haters of Tom Brady, Patriots haters, and they hate their dynasty, I cannot be a part of that. While researching anything, naturally, Wikipedia is a great tool. Well, While I was researching the history of past AFC Championship games on Wikipedia, a Chiefs fan or a Patriots hater with nothing better to do thought it was a good idea to edit the AFC Championship game history page, and they penciled in the result of this weekend's game with the final score, Chiefs 55, Patriots 7. And I'll be honest, I don't think I can really deny it. I've hated on players and teams before, but not to that extent. That's about as petty as it gets got nothing better to do. That, on top of seeing save the date, Tom Brady retirement party January 20th at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City, that meme's been making its way around social media the last several days, and I've had it. The disrespect is astonishing, and I hope the Patriots come out and they lay an absolute beatdown on the Kansas City Chiefs, just so I can point and laugh at all the haters crying because they're sick of consistent greatness. Now what are the chances of that happening? Not very good, I understand that. And with the difference in play by the Chiefs when they're at home versus away from Arrowhead, that makes it even harder to believe that the Patriots can even win this game. What are the Chiefs? They allow an average of 18 or so points per game at home versus they close to 30 when they're away from home. They're a much better team at home, especially scoring defense-wise. And the patriots aren't nearly as good of a team away from foxborough the patriots have lost their last three afc championship games away from home now granted all three of those games were against peyton manning but you can go back and look at those games and you can see how the patriots struggle on the road in the playoffs so what do the patriots need to do to break that losing streak well it starts on defense it's obvious you got to slow down the chiefs on offense All this talk about Patrick Mahomes, but it's key to look at the Chiefs' running game, averaging the exact same yards per carry with and without Kareem Hunt. That means their system is a good one. And the Patriots are going to have to hold the Chiefs on the ground before anything else. Why? Because of the Arctic blast that's expected to hit Kansas City and the Midwest on Sunday. Temperatures are expected to be in the single digits with wind chills of below zero by kickoff. So the running game is going to be key, and that means if the Patriots have to control the KC running game, then the Chiefs' defense is going to have to do the same thing to New England's. Can they? Sony Michel absolutely destroyed the Chargers' defense last week, and they're good. Kansas City's rush defense, not so much. Even though the Kansas City Chiefs played arguably their best defense of the year on Sunday, their overall body of work for the season is not good. As I said a couple of minutes ago, the Chiefs are a better team at home than they are away. But their rush defense is just as bad at home as it is away. They allow over 130 rush yards per game, about five yards a clip. That is the key to this game. I think if Sony Michel can get to 100 yards and average four and a half to five yards a carry, I like the Patriots. But if the Chiefs are able to stuff him and turn this game into a shootout, I like Kansas City. It's hard to pick this game, honestly, because it can go either way, depending on how the game plays out. But I'm taking the Patriots. Hate on it if you want. It's all you people like to do anyway. But you're in for a rude awakening, ravishing style. And when the Patriots win, I'm sure we'll hear all about how they cheated, how they paid off the reps. And then we'll hear all about how Drew Brees is going to beat Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Yada, yada, yada. You're all so predictable. It's pathetic. Patriots win 28 27. And that's a wrap on this week's episode of the Join My League Football podcast. A lot of people have asked what I plan to do following the season with the podcast, and the answer is it's simple. Continue on. There are two types of seasons in the NFL you got your playing season and your non playing season. The show doesn't end when the playing season ends. There's always uh, NFL-related stuff to talk about, regardless of the time of year. So we'll do some fun stuff, I promise. Among the ideas that I already have for post-Super Bowl shows, if there's anything you want to hear or talk about, just send a message. Join my league podcast on Instagram. Join my league on Facebook. Email me at jmlpodcast at gmail.com. Let me know. And keep sharing this show. Keep sharing my social media posts. You're all a big help. I really do appreciate it. In the meantime, take in all of the football you possibly can before it's gone. Enjoy the games. Let's hope they live up to the hype. Thank you for letting me rant at the beginning of the show, by the way, and have a fantastic weekend.